0: Hello and welcome to the Dungeon Masters Guild House. Uh, This is a weekly podcast where I, your host, Matthew Whitby, sit down with people all across the DMG uh, Dungeon Masters Guild and tabletop RPG space. And this week I am joined by Benjamin Huffman of the Sterling Vernon. Hello, very nice to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. How, how, How are we doing this afternoon? uh good i
1: finished wandavision today which was a very so a very emotional start to my day but then i did some writing and now i'm here so that's no, say, a good let's day let's overall
0: kick the episode off straight with the heavy spoilers yeah. <laughs> 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 um, no no oh, oh fantastic yeah i i can say there, there's there's been such a buzz around uh wandavision i must admit i've, I've kind of been holding off until the whole thing is out um, it's out now so, so. That, that's what i mean so then, yep. uh, luckily i've managed to avoid any of the the, the big spoilers but i think yep. yeah now now this this coming weekend i think i'm just gonna become a potato and binge it <laughs> there you go. it's worth it <laughs> no fantastic um well let's uh, in going seg- into you know the, the the meat and potatoes talking speaking about potatoes <laughs> <laughs> you, uh what sort of thing? are you know uh what sort of things are you known for and um, your names, guild and surrounding you know tabletop rpg space
1: yeah um so the big things i'm known for uh is my blog which is the sterling vermin adventuring company just sterling vermin for short um although i'm kind of doing an update soon that's going to transition into a website that will have a blog but there'll be more there um but then apart from that and maybe even bigger than that the thing i'm known for is the pugilist class um that uh is a class i wrote back in 2016 during the early days of the the guild and really took off um but then I've, I've got several other classes and i think people really think of me as like a player's option mm-hmm. kind of guy so classes and archetypes for existing classes
0: so my first kind of question off the back so where did where did the sterling vermin come from where did, where did that because
1: <laughs> oh, it's a... actually yeah. yeah 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 so that's actually the name of the adventuring company founded by my first 5e character oh, so i was playing in a campaign yeah. and i um, have a really um, off, uh, awful, I guess, would say, habit of needing to do wordplay on everything. <laughs> so my character was a, a guy named Mouse who had silver hair, yeah. um, and he had forgotten his identity. He himself had a mouse named Anani. So there's all sorts of like Anani Mouse, yeah. silver-haired vermin, S- Sterling vermin, like uh, just a bunch of like circular jokes that went nowhere yeah. um and anyway sterling vermin adventuring company was uh was the name of his adventuring company and so um
0: I, I, was say, I, I do i do love these sort of like the adventures you kind of go off and be like you know what i could do it or i could just like start my own company and yeah. get into the, the franchising and and <laughs> What's kind of great. I never thought like, about it as franchising. That's a hilarious um idea. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say it is always a case of like in the future, like if, if it, as the world kind of develops, you would have like, you know, adventuring, like, you know, people part of this, the Sterling burning adventuring company like, yeah, yeah, no, we've been working there for about three years, kind of working <laughs> through the, the corporate ladder. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think was oh, it, that's essentially the whole um like inspiration behind uh, was it acquisitions incorporated. Yeah, right. Sort of adventuring, uh, corporatizing everything. Yeah. Um no, interesting. And so you mentioned so was it the Pugilist like that was kind of kicked everything off for you then?
1: Yes. I mean that has done really huge numbers. Um and I mean it was big, I think, before it was even on the DMs guild, although it blew up a lot more when it was on the DMs guild. But that was a class that um maybe a year or two prior to the DMS guild even being a thing, I started uh writing and Producing stuff on Reddit mm-hmm. um, and getting feedback, and so that so the class already had a huge following on Reddit before I published it on DMs Guild, um, but then it did really well on DMs Guild, and then it was uh, featured on Matt Colville's uh, show oh. for like, f- well I don't I won't get spoiled. It was featured for some time on Matt Colville's show, um, and there was another big pickup there. It, I mean it, I think. The only other class to be uh, an adamantine seller on dm's guild is bloodhunter so it's me and matt mercer and i don't really have matt mercer's clout so i'm yeah. going to take this as a as a
0: pretty I, big win it, it's it's good company to be in i'll be honest yeah, from, as, it yeah, is. speaking as another map <laughs> yeah <laughs> no sorry i guess kind of so what was kind of the the impetus then so sort of like what what like was there like a design void that you were trying to like fill that you felt the other class didn't cover that you wanted I'm curious, like where yeah, where did the inspiration yeah. come,
1: come from? So so there were a few things. Um first was that the monk class kind of made me uncomfortable a little bit. Um mm-hmm. I just from like a I want to say politically correct because that's a very loaded phrase. Yeah. But um but basically from the standpoint of being politically correct, the monk class just feels like let's just throw a bunch of like stereotypes into a class mm-hmm. and because it's got a historic basis in D&D, it'll get a pass. So I wasn't—I didn't feel super comfortable with the Monk class in the game. But I liked the idea of there being an unarmed fighter. Um, every other class that could become an unarmed fighter would have to wait till third level. And that's like, OK, so I'm a fighter who swings a sword and uses a shield. And then at third level, I'm suddenly like, I oh, screw this stuff. I'm just going to punch people. That didn't make any sense. So it had to be somebody that started fist fighting from first level. And there's basically no way to do that apart from writing a whole new class. Um, As I got into it, though, it did, you know, the really rich kind of um, narrative tradition of pugilists and fist fighters. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I I kind of opened my eyes to that, and there was so much stuff. There were so many kind of characters that weren't properly expressed or couldn't be properly expressed in D&D without a class like this. So, um, so that was one thing. And then I also a big thing I was thinking about as I was working on the um, the pugilist class was that this was a class that was specifically going to be about being a low, a low class as an economically low class hero. Mm-hmm. Um, because the game doesn't, the game, there's a lot of classes that you presume are only must be like high class people because like who can afford plate mail yep. who can afford to buy a spell book and all the like ink that requires to so like these are all really rich people mm-hmm. um so i also kind of wanted something that did um kind of felt like a hero of the masses
0: no i had to, yeah i, I think I, I you 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 must make you raise some really good points about like the monk class in particular because even in, even in some of the, the kind of monks that i've played in the past i've always I've always done like you know a, a, what feels like a a, a reskinning. Yeah. Of stuff like that, of, you know sort of thing where it's like the, it's the monk abilities but it's like for this sort of like I don't know this uh, rough and tumble detective that I am playing right. is, is, yeah. it, it, it's it's not quite it's not quite the same. So yeah no I I can see why the the kind of um yeah they kind of push towards that sort of like yeah just just I'm just going to start throwing fists and kind of see, see yeah. what happens. i I'm curious then. So building a class all around about like literally just this thing then, mm-hmm. what what do you think was like the biggest sort of design challenge behind it? Because I mean, how, like immediately what comes to mind is like, I imagine punching doesn't necessarily always scale well. Like right. tier 20, you're fighting gods and you're just like right. no, no, yes, let's go.
1: Well, you know, th- what I originally envisioned for this class was that I thought maybe it would be cool if I if I ran with this idea of variant classes. Mm-hmm which the original idea I had in my head was just a class that was new, but it was just a, a slightly, you just changed enough from a, an existing class mm-hmm. to be its own thing. Um, and that's how the pugilist started. Now, it, it eventually got changed so much that I, I don't think it fit that original idea I had mm-hmm. of variant classes anymore. But there's are still, like, the, generally, the way it's damage scales is similar to the way amongst damage scales. Um, but uh, I also was a big fan of uh, 4e, and so you also see some 4e mechanics get kind of stealth dropped into Pugilist. In particular, the the bloodied condition. Yeah. Um, pugilists want to get the crap beat out of them because they get they get more powerful uh, once they've gotten the crap beat out of them. Which also fits into that. I feel like fictional kind of archetype in your mind yeah. of the fighter who's like on the ropes and then dominates and wins um the, so
0: the captain america like i can go all, i can go all day yeah sort of yeah, thing, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly no that's that's kind of incredible and and so i must admit so how again so I, I always like asking these questions for people who are kind of like around during the the inception of like the uh mm-hmm. the of of the Fire. Yeah. how did you find like i guess the because I feel i at least when it comes to um Red, reddit is a very interesting community and mm-hmm. i mean that in in in, in the nicest way yeah. possible um and i know that again from at least my experience like that. i know that sometimes reddit is quite standoffish to yeah. um i guess what it deems as homebrew content yeah um, obviously it, it varies in the communities and stuff like that yeah but how did you find that sort of like i guess the, the transition from going from you know uh being uh getting feedback from reddit to you know, with DMs Guild coming along and.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm not on Reddit too much anymore for a lot of reasons, Um, some of which are those kind of interesting whatever you want to look. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, characteristics of the population there. Um, But one thing that actually was really helpful about Reddit is because they hate homebrew. They hate what you're doing so much, so they're going to do everything they can to tear it down. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of separate your ego from the feedback and just hear what they hate, then you kind of, I mean, not everything, because some people will come in and just be like, this whole thing is trash. This is the most overpowered thing I've ever seen in my life. Or this is the most underpowered thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, frequently. Uh, something. We'll get both comments. It, it, I guess it's like, um,
0: you, you know, like diamonds, like you're filtering through diamonds in the rough to try and find, I guess, constructive exactly, criticism. Which, exactly. Again,
1: yeah.
0: And it's important
1: because if somebody likes your stuff, they're more willing to overlook the flaws or mm-hmm. the sort of things that aren't quite clicking. Um, whereas if somebody hates you, hates your stuff, hates what you stand for, uh, they're going to be, they're happily going to spew whatever bile. But somewhere in that bile there might be like a good point Mm -hmm. and so it's you know to some extent going to reddit was about cycling through all of that kind of just reflexive disdain Mm -hmm. um to find well like five people said this so maybe there's something to that i got to think about that
0: and I must admit, there is there is something about the nature of Reddit that they they, they these sort of armchair battle like game designers of balance, like that they 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 will yeah. literally find the edge cases of like this is broken if you have this, this, if you if you take like with like three um uh, uh multi-classes and, and nine times out of ten yeah. is like if you multi-class warlock, this breaks. <laughs> yeah. I've also found that they'll say things like uh
1: that they'll say stuff like that. And then, but like in their description, it's very clear that they've misunderstood like some basic component of the rules, mm-hmm. and just like, what do I do with that? Like, I'm not going to argue with you about whether or not this works when you don't even understand
0: so, the game. So I, then, I guess, then so, how did you how did you find out about the DM's Guild?
1: Well, so primarily, uh, I was on d d Next and Unearthed Arcana, mm-hmm. and I think Unearthed Arcana it was a pretty big pretty big deal around Unearthed Arcana, particularly because it's really strange. On most DD for- subreddits, um, they hate homebrew or hate people who would call themselves a game designer when they're doing homebrew. Mm-hmm. But on Unearthed Arcana, at least at that time, and one of the reasons why I don't really post there anymore, they were also very strongly against anybody becoming a professional game designer. So on the so on the subreddit for game design in DD, there was this big pushback of like, you can't promote anything here. Nothing you ever publish here can be published on the DM Guild. Like, nothing you get feedback on here can be published on the DM Guild at any point in the future, because that would be so mean to people if you did that. Like, how yeah. dare you? How dare you ask for money for the work that you do? Um, I mean, I had one moderator from Underdarkana at that time follow me around to different subreddits, like just trash talking me on Jeez. all my threads, and it was just like. At that, at that point, I actually just kind of was off Reddit for a, a couple of years. Now I occasionally I have my own subreddit that I like drop links in, but yeah,
0: that's about it. So, so it was, I guess the the kind of uh, slowly as the again the DMs Guild has grown considerably. I, I, yeah. I imagine since the the sort of uh, easing away from Reddit was probably uh, enjoyable for you at least in in some parts. Yes and no.
1: I mean, I really liked all the feedback, even um especially because I felt vindicated like I mean people would you know talk whatever trash and then like oh well it's selling really incredibly well and <laughs> everybody else loves it so I mean that's fine I yeah. guess if you um but yeah yeah, it, it, probably better for my mental health to be away from a environment like
0: that yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. It, it, yeah, it's kind of weird that you kind of have that. That's this snapshot in time of like the, the 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 emergence of of DM's Guild and and kind of being one of the creators that were kind of yeah around around beforehand. Yeah. Um. To talk, to, I guess, to talk a little bit more broadly, then, uh, kind of like you know, around all your kind of character options, everything you kind of do. Um, is there any sort of like yeah, is is there like a trend to like how your creative process starts or like where your ideas come from? Well. I mean, I've been into
1: like fantasy and Dungeons and Dragons specifically since I was like 10, which uh, is closing in on like 30 years ago. Um, and so, uh, like, often I just go back to like things I wanted to be in the game as a kid that now I can put in the game if I want. Like, I think in the complete Arcanist handbook that we, that uh, a friend of mine and I released, Ross, Ross Leiser. I hope this is how you pronounce his last name. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I released a bard class that, or a bard archetype that um, has a puppet. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, for some reason, I just always really liked the idea of, like, somebody who fought with a puppet alongside them. Yeah. So now it's in the game. I, um,
0: yeah, no, I can imagine, like, there's there's so many ways you can go with that. You can go, like, the creepy end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. <laughs> or you can go the very sort of, like, it's a, it's a Muppet. This person just has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I uh, I have always had the, a weird um to to digress. I've always had a weird kind of love of uh puppets and dolls and mm-hmm. stuff. Whether it be it horror yeah. straight up fantasy, anything like that. And I don't even really like puppets themselves that much, like I'm just whatever, but specifically like in a fantasy
0: or horror context, I'm like yes, please more. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, I I don't know I think I again, to tangent off of your tangent. Uh I I think I'm kind of alright with puppets, but as a child, anyone sort of like you know I, I I don't know what to call them but they're sort of like uh, people like mascots, mm-hmm. sense, yeah. like you know like yeah. dis- dis- like Disneyland right or something like that yeah um I I have a very f- a strict memory of of being in Disneyland as as a young child being chased by uh, Chicken Little mm-hmm. <laughs> which which uh, I, I I yeah I and and I don't know, thankfully I haven't kind of uh, again that's probably an avenue for me to take that take that that suffering and, and fear yeah, as a child. And I can turn it into something that's yeah. <laughs> an incoming mascot uh, subclass yeah. or adventure. Um, yeah, so, so it's literally just like, uh, from all these sort of, uh, you know, for from anything from Marshall to kind of Arcanist, it's just like, I, I kind of want to dabble in this area and you just kind of run with it. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's a lot of just like daydreaming and stuff too. I mean, like my process is, I, I write a bunch of stuff down in a notebook um, and kind of once something hits a critical mass of like i have enough thoughts or ideas about this then that's when it when i start uh developing it
0: I, i'm curious about, so obviously uh you, there look again looking at your catalog you have done a, a, a fair chunk of sort of player options but mm-hmm. you've also kind of done um again was it is it keeper the War queen that's right mm-hmm. and so far so so I'm curious, is is there any reason why you've kind of just felt like well I okay, two two part question. I'm, I'm, okay. number okay. one is like, so what why player options? Why why do you feel mm-hmm. like you gravitate towards that? And second, why why step out of that, that comfort zone now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so the first question, the for answer to the first question is um that it's I think what I'm good at. I'm much better at where game design meets story mm-hmm. than just the story part, uh, which I think of adventures as like being like 20% game design, 80% story. Um, I've also, like, I have I think I've run like maybe one adventure from a book ever in my life. Yeah. Like, I just, that's not how I play. And so I don't even know. I mean, I, I for when I wrote Keep the Coldwell Queen, I had to like research how to, how written adventures even work because yeah. I didn't know. Um, so, so that's why I, I, the, the focus on, on player options um i mean secondarily there was also the fact that i th- in my opinion i believe player options sell much better than adventures and if you think about it there's like five players for every yeah, one, one DM DM players. i mean like you've got five people to sell to instead of one um so there's there's that kind of bonus too but I, but that's secondary to the fact that i just think i'm better at um at writing player options and that and i have a stronger Maybe I'm slightly stronger as a game designer than a writer, so that's just feels like the natural place for me to be. Um, oh, and then why go out of that? Um, because I want to be a better writer. I want I I would like to get good at it. And there's also um, kind of whole products. Uh, products is such an awful word. Yeah. There's whole projects that I wanna that I wanna do or be involved in that I that don't have anything to do with game design or have, where game is a much smaller part of that. Mm-hmm. There was Keep of the Cobalt Queen. There was also Infamous Adversaries, um, which was a a project I led and I wrote a few entries in it, but it was a pretty big collaboration. Um, And those are projects that I think are really exciting and fun to work on and to to have done, um, even if they're not as easy for me. I mean, like I could probably write um, like an archetype for a class, if you really pushed me in like two, three hours, if I really, really had to. Um, but, you know, I'm never gonna get those other skills if I don't work on them, so.
0: No, but yeah, I, I guess it is always that case of like, again, as you kind of design for a while, you kind of like, you're like, oh, what's good, what's good, what's it going like in the, in? you see like the group of like uh, item uh, creators and you're like, oh, that, that looks fun. I'm gonna yep. dip, dip yep. my toe in the item ball and then. Um, yeah. And that's, got, that's what I think I've kind of said before is what I like about adventures, is the fact that it kind of touches a little bit on everything because you get mm-hmm. to do a little bit of monster design, you kind of like, you, you get to be greedy and go, yeah. oh, I, I want some of this. Um, yeah. One last question about, um, uh, like, I, I, I want to ask a little bit about adventuring and also a little bit more about um, like subclass design or just player mm-hmm. options. Um, in chatting to a lot of sort of uh, people who kind of worked with like subclasses is kind of like their priority before, um they they have like a number of sort of like spreadsheets and tools to kind of help mm-hmm. establish balance mm-hmm. um i'm curious if you have any sort of similar tools or like I, I you know, how, how do you achieve balance Is that...
1: <laughs> i love this question because the answer is i don't do anything whoa like i just i i re- i mean there's there's a way and because i yeah i don't do anything and i almost never look for feedback on anything um and the so <laughs> people are going to think i'm like an idiot or i don't know but um but so i don't do anything because nobody who reads what i'm doing or who plays what i'm doing is doing the math or like there is but that's like 0.1% of those people and it doesn't matter my experience is that i've written things that were like i i did all the math and i knew it was perfectly balanced and people were like oh this is busted oh no one would ever use this yeah So the perception of balance is completely separate from whether or not something actually is balanced so if you write to what's actually balanced but nobody thinks it is then what was the point of doing all that work yeah when people think it's busted or it's not so if i've got an idea in my head about like the way something's going to work i'll do a little bit of research of like what are other classes doing at this level or what are other archetypes doing at this level Mm -hmm. does this feel out of bounds? for this to be doing that yeah. um so, so that's i mean and, and then that's it because game balance is not a math thing mm-hmm. the, the people want to believe it is it would be easier if it is if it was um but it's not and it's a lot
0: about perception so yeah no, I, yeah. I I think yeah you do raise that a really good point because I think most tables by the virtue of just you know like they do kind of self balance, yeah and, and stuff like that and it falls so much to like the you know the the DM's discretion because again if you are creating like take the pugilist example mm-hmm. if you are running into encounter after encounter of ranged flying enemies right the pugilist is gonna be like I'm I, what am I doing here no. <laughs> like right. uh, and on yeah on the vice and and so it's. Yeah. And I feel like any sort of player who's, you know, uh, again, at least a uh, semi-decent, if they realize like, oh, I'm doing four times the damage of any other player and it is kind of, you know, making, making some problems, they would probably be like, I'm going to maybe not play as optimally as, right. or, you know, have conversations with the DM or what have you.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, also there's such a huge range of what can happen in the game already mm-hmm. that like, I don't feel obligated to make like, A not good option. Actually, I don't know. I I kind of lost my entire train of thought there. (laughs) There's like there's like there builds in the game that are that are already kind of broken. Mm -hmm. And so my feeling is that if I'm not going that far, then it's fine. Yeah. Like you if you can already do something that's significantly worse, why do I care if it's kind of bad when there's a really bad option
0: yeah it's it, it, yeah i yeah i know that, that, that's a really good way of, of looking at it as a fan it's, yeah i suppose again uh, there's, there's there's always a good, a good amount of like you can tell like on paper if something like, a first level ability is like oh you are now immune to all damage or <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. like, th- there is clearly like things are just like way off the spectrum but as long as you're within that it's kind of like that that middle range of like you know what other classes can do um yeah and yeah, I think I think yeah. At least in the kind of the the, the few times I've dipped my toes into sub sort of subclass design, it is very much like I'm looking across all sort of subclasses yeah. of the same, you know, of the of the same. All, I'm looking at all the colleges of bards and going, okay, well, right. this can do this, this can do this, this kind of feels, you know, kind of in the middle. Um, yeah, no, really interesting. Um, and my second question is, uh, I, so again, that 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 is the player options because I said that. Um, you mentioned that so for um, the uh, Cobble Queen adventure that you, kind of, mm-hmm. you did, a fair bit of research around like looking around adventures. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm always curious about how you came to a structure of adventure that you liked, or or kind of like what your research process was exactly. Because like there's so many different ways to write an adventure. It's yeah. It's...
1: So my. The thing I always am going to go to first are the official books because I think generally that's what people are comfortable mm-hmm. with is the format of the books. Uh, so I look for things published by Wizards, um, and I take as much as I can from that. Um, I was doing, you know, some odd things with *Keep of the Cobalt Queen*, so I had to adapt those, uh, some of those things. Um, but then I also like follow MT Black, for instance, on Twitter and just generally, you know, his blog posts and stuff um so you know i knew uh box text was a heated debate (laughs) so i knew to like think very carefully about kind of how to include it and when to include it and what not to include in it um and then you know i did make some decisions that i don't know if it contributed to anybody liking or not liking the adventure but like for instance i didn't include dimensions in rooms Mm -hmm. because it it was a cave first of all so it was like i don't know how to really include dimensions that doesn't feel very artificial then but then also it's like make it as big or as small as you want you're the dm like what does it matter if i tell you it's 30 by 30 or you say it's 40 by
0: 30 it matters not at all so i I suppose like again in in the case of where like uh it's a again that i i've come around to the idea that like with the adventure you don't need a map for everything right like and there are there are some encounters that definitely benefit from a map, especially if there's like vertical height. but yeah i I said a cavern and stuff like that you could like you can draw as many jagged walls as you want it can be any yeah. shape and you still kind of get the same general gist yeah of things. exactly yeah no interesting um and yeah so so i i guess the uh, was there any sort of particular hardcover book that you kind of tried to um sh- yeah like shape the event around that you kind of
1: no nothing that it was really based off of yeah. i mean my um I, I can't recall what was out at that time but i think i don't buy many hardcover adventures because like like i said i've never run one yeah <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't run one of the whole campaign books they have even though like i love ravenloft and i'd love to play in or run curse of strahd uh, i suspect I'll, that will never happen for me um maybe i'll play in it but I, i'll never run it yeah. um but uh yeah i mean i was looking at curse of strahd i mean for me the other really important thing was to emulate um jrpg kind mm. of uh i don't want to say what's not themes but i, I really wanted Think stuff so. that was, was recognizably from jrpgs to show up in the adventure so you know there's like little side quests that you don't even have to leave the village for before you go to the thing there's like Crystals that you put in objects to unlock powers. Yeah, those there's those a, like, uh, yeah. all like yeah the distinct
0: tropes and stuff. Yeah, like
1: exactly. Yeah. The tropes. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um. There's even a summon, a, a hidden summon in the game. So like you don't necessarily find it by completing the adventure, but if you do and you beat this thing, you can summon it just like you would summon something in like Final Fantasy. Yeah. So. No. Uh,
0: I- I guess. I guess. So was it just a case of like uh, those games were very informative in, in your that you just kind of wanted to like recreate it? Or
1: yeah, I. I mean, I adore JRPGs. Like I will play any JRPG, and it doesn't like the story could be good or the story cannot be good. That's all fine no. by me. Like I just kind of <laughs> like doing it. Um, I like it as a format. Um, yeah i don't know so it's just a deep love of that genre um i mean i'd really love to write a whole tabletop game for it but uh kind of dipping my toes into D D yeah. by way of or jrpgs by way of D D was a good kind of starting
0: point yeah it's, it's kind of like a, of yeah it's it sort of it starting to say that curiosity by just yeah using a, yeah. an existing system rather re- than going out of your way to create a whole yeah. <laughs> Which-
1: and- and I can't tell you how awesome it was to like find pixel artists and like hire them to do pixel art. Like that was just really cool. I work with a lot of artists, you know to get art from my stuff, but yeah. um, going into pixel art was really fun. And also, I, I mean, some of the art in the book is mine which pixel art is like the only thing I'll ever be able to do <laughs> art for in one of my books. So that was fun
0: too. Ah, oh, yeah, dude, I, I I used to be, I used to do a fair bit of pixel art in, 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 in my old days. I was actually, so I, again, uh, like, if, excuse me for a small tangent. Uh, But I was I was part of an old forum called Pixel Wars, Mm -hmm. which essentially was people who would like you would draw pixel armies, and then it was essentially play by post of like you have you have like a map you put your pixels on it, they put their pixels on it, and then uh, yeah, jeez, I I don't again I don't think it exists. That sounds really fun. Yeah, it was it it was yeah, Uh, but then there there were people who would just have incredible pixel art. Um, yeah. And my starting, my starting for you, right. uh, Like, yeah, they, they were very good. I, th- I think yeah. nin- they were, they were nin- like ninja orbs, <laughs> yeah. of robots and stuff. like yeah, pretty yeah, yeah, bad. Uh, but that's, that's 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 young me. I can, <laughs> I can still sort of yeah. that. Um, so to, I guess talking, I guess more broadly then um, about kind of everything that you kind of do. Then um, is there like a, a favorite part of the project that you have? Um.
1: I don't know. I kind of enjoy everything in its own time over the course of a project. I mean, there's something enjoyable at the start of like all the potential things that this could turn out to be, or you know, how, how good it might turn out uh in the middle when you've got a lot of work done and you feel mm-hmm. satisfied with that. And then there's but there's still some, you know, room to, to make things when it's over and you're like, Thank God this is done <laughs> when you publish it and it's fun to see, you know, sales happen. Yeah. Um, I guess my yeah. You asked for most favorite parts. No, so. no,
0: I, I think that by means like that, that that's my next but if, if you yeah. if, if the whole thing is just yeah. I love it, so I, it's all yeah. great.
1: So I love it all. And then my least favorite part is like one week after I release something, when I'm like, oh my god, it's been like months since I released something. <laughs> and I don't know why my brain does that, but like literally one week after I release something, I'm already feeling anxious about when am I gonna release something else because it's been so long. It's been like yeah. seven days and no and like Half the people less than half the people who are going to buy whatever i put out have bought it and i'm still stressed about the next thing
0: yeah it is always a case of like yeah you you, you do all the promo and you kind of like the, the release is out and then you kind of continue it for that week afterwards but then yeah. after that point it's a bit like i need i do need to start doing something else and again i, yeah. I need to keep this to get a treadmill going because if i stop yeah. everything just disappears Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it just yeah, it's yeah. I I I don't know if there necessarily is like a, a solution to that. I think that's just like, like a, a perpetual state that we're just yeah. So I guess so. Is there um? Yeah, I don't know that I must be yeah. There's it's it, it, it's always funny hearing about like people's like favorite part because there there is there are certain things that people kind of gravitate towards. I again, I think you might be one of the first to just say I I, I love it all. It's it's all great. <laughs> I mean, I
1: do enjoy it all. I, I mean, I often also like to have multiple projects going just so I can be in different places in each in each project. And when I'm in the mood to be starting something, I've got that. And when I'm in the mood to be finishing something, I've got that.
0: So actually, I was going to uh, like, I guess, um, talk a little bit about some of the kind of larger collaborations that you've kind of done. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like, I don't know, I guess kind of more broadly, is there any kind of, I, I guess, project management tips? or just like things that you've kind of learned that kind of like from a solo project, to so yeah. like one of the larger collaborations? Well, I think, I think first of all, I think I
1: have a lot of room to grow in project management. I'm actually just starting a new project that's, you know, we're gonna be recruiting a number of people to do, mm-hmm. but um, but I've got, so I've got a lot of room to grow. So I, I would say this is advice for like super baby project managers and something that's gonna be like, this is basic stuff to anybody who's done it before. Yeah. But I think it's really important. The before you even start part is the most important part. I think of project management, like getting everything written and clear, getting expectations, um, you know, down on paper. Um, I think in one project, I had somebody who I I told everybody at the start, like we're using kind of free art or you know find art and buy it yourself, but like we don't have an art budget for this, or like I'm buying some cover art or whatever, but everything else is on your, you're on your own or you know yeah um and then at the end of the project this somebody said to me um somebody made it or it was clear that this person did not have any art and didn't really know what the plan had been for art um i think that might have been just that person's misinterpretation because everybody else seemed to get it yeah. but um things like that, things like providing a, a written template so that you don't have everybody doing it slightly differently. And then at the end, like if you've got like 50 entries and you've suddenly got to go from like the, the slightly different variations of like, how do people write ability checks? Oh my God.
0: You, no, you, you touched on a really good one. I to remember, it like the, some of the projects that I've joined where I have, I haven't necessarily been given a template. They, they scare me because yeah. I'm immediately like, I. I, I I like because the last thing you want is like you you uh, without a template you write in what you think is the best style yeah and that is not, again maybe seven out of ten times it's going to be slightly different between people as so far it's it's and especially if you're like okay well I'll just use the hardcover books as like inspiration yeah they're not always consistent <laughs> yeah
1: you guys decide which hardcover book then you're gonna use or or yeah. what time in fifth edition <laughs> yeah. you're gonna yeah. use
0: yeah. But no, you you yeah you make a really good point of of yeah the 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 kind of I guess the prep and legwork you kind of do before bringing people onto the project is is kind of yeah. like the best way to kind of smooth over any 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 sort of bumps. Um, and I think putting it in writing, like any anything,
1: everything about the project that you can put in writing, put in writing, so that everybody can look at it, and knows what it is. Um, obviously, people might still not look at it or not read it closely, and then there's going to be a problem later. But yeah. Oh,
0: fair. No, yeah, thank you. Again, that, that was like more of a tangential question, but yeah, I'm always curious about what like, to hear because again, project management is, is something of like a huge undertaking. Um, it and... is.
1: Yeah. It's a completely, <laughs> it's its own thing. And like, yeah, I, I feel like for me, I've got to have with this new next project, my, my plan is to get project, the project started, mm-hmm. do all my writing and then transition back to being a project manager for the rest of it. Yeah. Like just cuz I can't do both of those roles at the same time.
0: I uh, I mean again, it's the reason why people hire project managers and that's yeah. what they do. <laughs> I know.
1: I have honestly considered maybe trying to just do some project management just to build up those skills so it feels less painful to try to juggle them,
0: but I going I say uh, it's very much like a um a, like almost like a Jeff Stevens-esque model of uh, the way the the way that he goes about it It seems to be yeah seems to be going quite well um then moving uh, moving away from project management then i get back back to your design process as we zigzag through all the topics um through everything you've kind of done is there like a design choice that you've kind of made that you're like particularly proud of or like you know something you go that's 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 good design i can i can pat myself on the back for that I'm always
1: unreasonably proud of wordplay that I get into <laughs> um, my products. So like any th- God, I use that word again. I mean, that's what they are. So anytime I get like some turn of phrase or really goofy. Um, just bit of wordplay and into something I'm like, I'm very proud. <laughs> So um, is, is
0: is there one that like jumps the mind immediately not to put you on the spot or anything? Not
1: really. I mean, I'm sure that if you like did word scrambles on a lot of the names I put in Keep of Cobalt, Keep of the Cobalt Queen, you'd find like all sorts of references to different things. Yeah. Um, and I was really happy in particular with the Pugetists with a lot of the feature names. I just, I was, I was amazed and happy about like how many different like colorful phrases there are related to fist fighting or being a fist fighter um so yeah i mean that's where it, it feels like play to me the like the word part is where it starts to feel like play to me there are some like game design pieces that um that i guess i'm proud of but those are kind of very much like Oh, I thought that idea was really. Actually, no, no, no. I will say one piece of game design that I really liked, and that's that I've been playing a lot recently with. This is a very specific thing, with mechanics where you get a pool of temporary hit points, and while you have that pool of temporary hit points, there's all these other buffs that you have. Yeah. But as soon as you lose the temporary hit points, the buffs are gone. So it creates this fun kind of state of play where, like, no matter what, getting that. Is a good thing for you because now you got temporary hit points, but then there's also a good reason to try to not get hurt because there's all these other things happening. Yeah, like so, a
0: like a what is it? Is it armor of agathis type effect?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But so I, I like I've leaned pretty heavily into that. I probably actually need to ease off the gas with that mechanic <laughs> a little bit because soon it's going to be in like everything I write. But
0: yeah. No, I, I, it's I, it's a, it's, a, it's a cool mechanic because again it, it allows again it allows people people again it, it's it's that like case of like people kind of like long term effects. Mm-hmm. I, the, the, the 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 I've like, I always feel bad anytime you have like a, a, a spellcaster try and do something during their turn, and then it's like, oh, they made their save saving throw, and then they're just like, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm done. Then and and those yeah. sort of those sort of like yeah, the sort of mechanics are like as long as I can keep myself safe and I have this temple health, I get to do you know all sorts yeah. of cool stuff. Um, what were what were some of the effects like while you, while they had temp health?
1: Um, well, I had one that I wrote recently f- um for something that's being published by another person, um where you become kind of spe- like instead of dying you get reduced to one hit point and then get a boatload of temporary hit points. And like you're like spectral while that happens. So Ooh. you can fly, you have resistance to what damage from weapons. Um, and I think you can phase through walls and people and stuff. That's... Um, so yeah. it just I mean what I think the what I really like about it is almost like it borrows that JRPG idea of like phases in mm-hmm. fights where like, well, this is the phase where I have this pool of hit points. all I can do all these things. Then you beat me out of that. And now I'm back to this or whatever
0: yeah. else. Oh, that's even cooler because, yeah, the, the instant application is like, it's really cool for a player to use, but just throw it on a boss. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I like I like that spectral idea of like I like the idea that you you literally you knock someone out and then their their the spirit just leaves their body going I'm I'm ready I'm still fighting yeah, yeah. <laughs> the oh also like t- talking about the um, pugilism word like did you get did you get fisticuffs in there somewhere I Oh
1: think... yeah, you you have a fisticuffs die instead nice. <laughs> of the martial arts die. It's your fisticuffs
0: die. <laughs> I, yeah, that, by far that's that's my favorite term for uh, fighting yeah. or brawling. yeah. So... yeah. <laughs> No, no, awesome. And yeah, no, I, I also again I thank you for going into like the nitty-gritty design choices and stuff like yeah, that because mm-hmm. those yeah, those are cool. And yeah, at the very least, I feel like uh one or two people listening is probably gonna borrow. Yeah. <laughs> steal borrow, steal whatever yeah. you like away. Well, you know, it's like uh imitation is the highest form of flattery and you know, great ice yeah. steel, all those, you know, There's all the things to yeah. so kind of validate why. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, like, you know, everything you write, everything I've done is certainly informed by everything else. So, I mean,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I outsource all my writing to like a thousand monkeys. So, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, and that probably explains why I haven't released anything in a while, but we, we're getting there. We're having, yeah. we're getting some breakthroughs. <laughs> um, then, so I guess talking about breakthroughs, um, is there, like, across, uh, again, I get some like, sense, you know, uh, your time in Reddit and all kind of before that. Um, is there any sort of particular lesson that you kind of wish you'd learned just just a little bit earlier? Or?
1: Well, I mean, I actually I learned fairly quickly not to engage with um, trolls and to separate like criticism from from trolling um, because I I did engage with it a little bit yeah. uh, really early on and not only to even really obvious trolls, not only do people rally around really obvious trolls, if if you respond to them as a creator, but also like, just just internally, it's kind of gross experience for you. Yeah. Um, So, so there's that, I think. The other thing is something we kind of talked about earlier, where it's like, um, I really stayed away from those things that I thought were weaknesses of mine for a long time. Like get like adventure, not necessarily adventure design, because I've done that a lot. But putting yeah. it to paper, like putting it in a form where other people can run it. Um, like, I'd really like to be better at writing fiction now, um, and all of the kind of like narrative setting for um, for different projects, and that's something that I'm okay at. But I, I, I'd like to be, be better at it, and so I wish I would have started that sooner.
0: No, yeah, I, I suppose yeah, it's it's always that case of like it, it's building. You you kind of build up confidence, confidence, and confidence. Yeah, uh, in one area that allows yeah. you to kind of almost uh, siphon some of that confidence in other areas of like ah, yeah. oh, you know, I've, I've got this, fine. I can I can I could probably handle that now. Yeah, um, I'm I'm curious then, uh, in in. Um, so, is it the case of in your home home game and stuff? You can kind of mention that it's or mostly kind of like your in setting, not using any yeah. kind of hardcover books. Yeah. Uh, is, is it like a forever DM sort of deal?
1: <laughs> yes. Although in my case, it's very much that's how I like it. Yeah. Um, I being a player is fine. If, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love being a DM. I mean, and part of that is because at least half of my favorite thing about playing d d is the stuff that you do when you're not playing d d Yeah. So, like, I mean, I've got a homebrew setting or my own campaign setting and, yeah. you know, it's fun to just write a ton about that or to think a ton about that. Um, and if you're just
0: playing a character,
1: you know, I guess I could think about backstory form or something, but
0: who cares yeah. about that? So so I guess, so. have you had any cases where uh, obviously players at your table are using your own subclasses? Or like classes.
1: Yes, I have, and it happened. It's starting to happen with like more regularity. It's starting to become like uncommon for me to play to to run a game where people aren't playing something yeah. that I done. Actually, recently I I started a new campaign just a few nights ago, and I think like except for one person, everybody's <laughs> playing either a race or a class or a subclass that yeah. I, that I wrote or is was in something I published. um I had weird, I had a weird feeling about that. Like one part of it is like this feels a little too insular, maybe. <laughs>
0: um, but you know, also, I, I mean, also, also it's it's really cool. I mean, that, yeah, that's got to be like it's I imagine the cool well, and I, I feel think, proud. Yeah, because with your own setting, I imagine yeah, you have a number of like you know races, kind of unique to yeah. that setting. So it just it just makes sense. It's you know kind of yeah. helps build the world. Um, yeah. I, I actually again we haven't really spoken too much about like um the sort of like races or options of that um. And any, again, anyone's that you're particularly proud of, or you think are like worth taking a cheeky peek at?
1: Um, the Grimalkin were a big hit, have always been a big hit at my table. They're like little cat people from um, either the Feywild or the Shadowfell, depending upon, uh, well, actually, I don't think I make a distinction in the race, there's no sub races, but in the fluff. How, how little are we talking, like halfling hit little? Ha- well, like, half Halfling, halfling. <laughs> that's, that's adorable. Um, and the... So they're like house cats. They're like, instead of, like, the tabaxi are like big cat humanoids. Yeah, These are like house cat humanoids. (laughs) Um, And the idea was that some of them lived in the Feywild, some of them lived in the Shadowfell. But they had this big prank war and got kicked out of both. And so now they have to live in the material plane because they just, nobody wants them anywhere else. Um, And that's been a big hit at my table. There's like pretty, (laughs) generally, there's a Grimalkin in the game um so there's that but i also my favorite race is probably the saurians that i wrote um which just because i love dinosaurs and
0: yeah i was gonna say uh, just 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 by hearing the name i'm like oh there's a there's a a sort of lizardy dino yeah
1: (laughs) the dino people with like a caste society based on you know what kind of dinosaur you're you're um you're uh, like i SS guess that's yeah yeah whatever, whatever however you would put that um yeah, yeah um i i have a, a fantasy someday of doing a another ttrpg that's around kind of early bronze age late stone age where dinosaur people are the bad guys and so nice. for now for now i'm going to live with i'm happy and i think it's cool that i've got dinosaur people in dnd i
0: think I think what is the case of like with your home setting you just each like week by week you just introduce something slightly more prehistoric like like as as you get further and further out from civilization oh no we're suddenly in the bronze age (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that's awesome um no so then I guess to to uh I guess yeah to to pivot slightly towards looking to the kind of the 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 future and everything um you again looking at your catalog of products there's there's a good number of them. That's, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, do Do you still have like a sort of like a dream project, or you know uh, something to kind of you kind of mentioned it as well? You've got like the the JRPG thing. You've yeah. got like the Dino setting. Yeah. You've
1: got... I've got probably like a dozen dream projects. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I, I'd like to get better at. Maybe this is what I should have said in terms of when I'm looking back at things. One thing that I want to get better at is not waiting till I feel like I can do something perfectly to start it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a bad habit of letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um and so there are a lot of dream projects that I've just have never started because I'm like I don't think I could execute it perfectly yet. Um and it might never happen then if I if I'm waiting on that. So, um Oh no no, sorry, go ahead. But I think rather than dithering your question was <laughs> yeah. uh, do I, like what were what
0: are my dream projects? I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if you want to shout, I get it. It's always a so, case of like, I, I feel bad asking people about their dream, because it's a case of like, if I if I talk about it, then it's out there. <laughs>
1: it's like, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, there's I mean, there's two things. Somebody else might take it and run with it, in which case, good, it got written, mm-hmm. whether it was by me or not. And if they don't, maybe there's some kind of accountability, or somebody will come say, hey, you talked about this, and I love that idea. Are you gonna do it? Yeah. Both of those are good outcomes for me. So a a d one that I've wanted to do for a long time is something like a directory of demiplanes where mm-hmm. I just have a bunch of like weird goofy not not necessarily goofy but it would include goofy yeah. um demi plane ideas that are all just kind of like you know you could drop it into a campaign really easily or also um it could be the theme of your whole campaign is just hopping from one demi to another yeah um i've got a bunch of monsters written then most of the fiction written for one demiplane, and it's just been sitting there in a folder for like three or four years um what, what's what's like the high concept for that for that demi <laughs> uh the para elemental plane of alcohol so it's <laughs> um uh, a mad i guess i shouldn't say mad uh, a brewmaster a, gone, a dwarf, gone away. A, a, yeah a dwarf brewmaster um kind of has their own kind of methodology of becoming a lich and it involves soaking their body in alcohol mummifying <laughs> themselves in alcohol basically and then they create the para-elemental plane of
0: alcohol um sort of to wreak vengeance on their family that's, that's that that is I, again i i do love the fact that like it, the moment you get into the high tier stuff of like you know wizards can just create their own demi planes you can yeah. you could do anything like there yeah. there is there is nothing holding you back and yeah. the idea of a, uh, a a guy a dwarf pickling themselves in alcohol <laughs> so yeah it's, it's, that's that's, that's, a, that's a really cool idea yeah um, and i and i've
1: run actually an advent an adventure on multiple occasions um that uses all the material from that but just you know it's not in a format where i could put it out there yet i might at some point just sell it as its own thing mm-hmm. instead of like as a whole series of them just to just because it's a fun idea
0: and other yeah just, just to kind of get out. yeah. I, I, i'm always on the fence about like sometimes it is if it, there is that natural urge for i guess yeah, products um to to like rather than have like a single a smaller smaller it, it, it would actually get a little bit bigger to be like it's not one yeah. day plane. he's twenty, um, yeah, you know, and stuff. And it, I, I guess it's that case of like you know it's 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 the shotgun effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, I don't I, know. I, 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 it's always it that like case of I like, am always curious to see how those smaller products kind of do and I, yeah. like, It's it's a contained experience. Like uh, I imagine it's it sounds like enough there to be like an adventure. Yeah, you know, story hooks in itself. That, yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, damn. Now, now I want to be. I want to write some demi planes. Um, I, th- I think it was, I had I had the chance to write one before. So I wrote a um, for the weird stuff I found in the dungeon. Or uh, so it's uh, by Isaac May. Uh, I did oh, like yeah. A, mm-hmm. yeah I, did I have like, seen that. Yeah. yeah, I did did a compliment because one of the artifacts within that thing there there was essentially a a senox sphere, which is a uh-huh. demi plane in, in an item. Um, uh-huh. So I created that demi demi plane, which essentially is like a. Um, an evil dungeon of just like a um, um, it's a murder, it's a murder dungeon. That's that's, okay. that's kind of what it is. It's like yep. um, and that was kind of yeah, the cool to kind of fun with But now, now, yeah, there's there's so many different directions you can kind of go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had I had something that I did want to ask, but I've 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 lost I, I've I've lost it in the the uh, dwarven broom master chat. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully hopefully it will it will come back to me. Um, I think it was something about um, the yes I, I ha ha ha. So with everything that you've kind of done so far, is um, there anything that you haven't touched? Like, there's a side of the design that you haven't, like, done anything towards that you kind of think that that would be cool to try?
1: Well, so there's publishing a whole new system, which is definitely something that I'd like to do. Um, there's publishing a whole new system, which kind of goes hand in hand with getting better at being a project manager. I mean, like, I, I do think it would be fun at this point in my career to start doing more like helping other people develop the skills and um and also kind of allowing le- to myself to not have complete control over things. Like I've seen a few books um I'm not gonna name names because this is kind of a double-edged comment here. I've seen a few books that are published by one person that I adore. Like they're they're fantastic. Um but if there had just been a couple other people on there, I think some of the some of the weird things that slipped through wouldn't have mm-hmm. because it wouldn't have been someone's singular vision yeah. that um where they just, you know, all their blind spots it made it, you know stuff made it past all their blind spots
0: yeah no i, I guess that, that is the the benefit of all you know all these sort of um collaborations is yeah you kind of again the the end result is is an amalgamation of everyone's difference you know yeah it is and it's not it's better for it because yeah right. you kind of you cover for each other yeah um, no yeah 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 that's fair yeah and yeah in a whole creating a whole new system is mm-hmm. Is, is, yeah, I, I I haven't even got thoughts or dreams to, to tackle that, just, yeah, I think, you know, come back to me in a year, and then, and then maybe, maybe we'll talk.
1: I mean, there's, the the thing about that is that, like, you do it because you want to, not because it's going to be worth doing, because it almost certainly won't be worth doing. Yeah. Um, Like, I'd like to do those things, but then I think, like, yeah, but I could spend, like, a quarter of that time writing something for D&D, and it'll make a ton more money than doing
0: that ever will, so... Well, yeah at least at least that, that's the current the, the world we live yeah. in at the moment yeah. um speaking about I guess well as I say speaking about the world um in which that we're in which is out there in one of my worst segues um <laughs> but the community as a whole talking about like collaborations and stuff like that and you've kind of mentioned before, for a few projects you've kind of been working closely with with uh some people is there anyone in the like the deems guild or surrounding community that like particularly inspires you that you kind of want to
1: this is a real punt but uh <laughs> but honestly the community in general i think is is pretty inspiring it's full of a lot of i mean it's it's a diverse set of people it's a people who i find care like have a lot of passion for making the world a better place like beyond just the thing that we're all passionate about which is the game and the fantasy and all that um it's a lot of people who are working really hard to to make the game inclusive, and for the game not to be for the game to be ahead of the cultural curve instead of behind it. Um, so I admire all of that, um, and and I don't think I could pull out one or two people specifically because that's really like a component of our community um, in a in a broad stroke. Um, as a less punty answer. Um, You know, M.T. Black, uh, we don't talk often, but we do talk, and I would say I kind of see him as a mentor. He's somebody who um, I think has been very savvy about his release schedule and the way he approaches um, the business side of this, so Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of looking to him for cues for how to adapt because i think we probably all have come into this from the perspective of i love doing this and i want to do it and there's a way i can make money at it Mm -hmm. and not from like a business side of it of like you know that that's not been the and so i i I look to him for kind of my cues about like what i should be doing next or how i should be thinking about stuff
0: also, for most of us, it's like you've you've kind of joined and dipped your toes within the, the DMs guild or thing, and Empty Black has already been at <laughs> it for years. That you got. Yeah. So it's it's like okay, yeah, the, 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 we can sort of yeah, their 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 trajectory and, and all the experience they have is is um that that like again their blog posts are always super insightful about mm-hmm. um, yeah just and any any sort of chance to kind of peel back on on you know the like not I guess yeah the 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 upper end of the, the industry.
1: I, I, yeah, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I've had some experiences recently that have helped me understand that the upper end of the industry is pretty low. I mean, I'll guess I'll just say that as a DM skilled writer, I'm not making a far cry from what people who are doing this full time are doing. Yeah. Um, and that was a surprise. And that, that also helps me, or not helps me, but that also makes me think there's even more, it's even more important to develop some business acumen around this. Yeah. So that I can do the projects that I want to do and the projects that make me money and um, kind
0: of bounce between the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, it always is the case. Yeah. I agree. It's fantastic. <laughs> the um, then, yeah, I guess kind of looking at the time, we, we've managed to kind of, uh, Natter away. All right. <laughs> Again, t- time flies. Um, one uh, one thing I do want to get in there is is what are some of the exciting stuff that you're working on? Uh, with an asterisk, because where can we hear about that? Because that's that's kind of the the, the slightly um, more important part. Yep. Yep. Um,
1: so right now I'm doing a few collaborations off the guild. Uh, I'm doing some more work for Ghostfire Games, uh, and I I did a uh, quite a bit of their Grim Hollow player's guide. Um, they've got more books upcoming, and I'm working on those. Uh, I'm also in touch with the boys at Mage Hand Press, talking about uh, stuff with them. Um, And then I've got the uh, finale to the Complete Handbook series that I'm working on with Ross, and that's the one I'm kind of still building my pool of uh, other writers for. Um, And that's going to be a big, big thing. I'm excited about that. and then after that, it's starting to shift off the guild and publishing, you know, selling stuff on my site directly or
0: uh, on DriveThruRPG or wherever else. How are you feeling about essentially the the, the last part of like a, a huge, a huge series? Um,
1: I have mixed feelings, you know. Uh, I mean... There's a part of it that I just want to be like, let's just blow the scope up bigger and bigger and bigger and, bigger and add this and this and this and, and that until until like it would become like impossible to actually finish, mm-hmm. um, and then there's a part of that's like a relief, and then I'm sure there'll be a part of like me that grieves when it's all over too. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's so. it's
0: sweet and salty at the same time. It's, yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, where where are some of the places? Obviously, you've yeah. got your website and. So yeah, so you can go to sterlingverman.com.
1: Uh, to kind of follow the blog and soon hopefully there'll be um, a new website up there that looks a lot better and doesn't look like somebody's like angel fire website from the 1990s um and i'm also really active on twitter also at sterling vermin um but then i've also got a subreddit and a facebook page and a patreon so you can find me wherever internets are yeah. sold
0: there will be a bundle of links in the description yeah. and you can just yeah. uh, pick one at random click it and yep. yeah you're, you're, so, now they probably all link to each other as well it's like they do yes <laughs> anywhere you go you'll find the rest of them by by
1: virtue yeah
0: well uh, honestly uh benjamin thank you so much for coming on on the show it's been it's been a blast no it's it's been yep. it's been so insightful especially with with, with someone who's i I, as I say who's been around for as long as you have and i, I was worried that may come across as, as... <laughs> well i mean it's also
1: funny because we're talking about five
0: years which is yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah I, okay that's yeah, a while i guess yeah, it's <laughs> kind of ancient in dm yeah. skilled terms it's, it's yeah. like the, it's, it's the, the the ancient eons ago yeah uh, years yeah. and years ago before i yeah. can remember yeah um but no yeah thank you, thank you. <laughs> sorry that's the worst way to end this is like let me just get that insult in quickly <laughs> no, no no it's good it's good i like it <laughs> um yeah no thank you so much and yeah there will be links to everything in the description uh if you don't mind i've got some stuff that i need to plug quickly absolutely um, uh, currently, I have March is a busy month for me because I have two Kickstarters I'm involved in currently going right now. Uh, so there is the Diesel, uh, which is a uh, a sort of new RPG system, which is all based on sort of uh, Firefly uh, in sort of like a, a punky Western setting that I did like a lot of some some narrative writing for, as well as the Cities of Myth, Cities of Myth um, the uh, Atlantis uh, uh, which is essentially we have desert on one side we have ocean on the other so chances are whatever you like uh, that there is something for you uh, so links to both those live kickstarters uh, are in the description and yeah any sort of backing would be greatly appreciated um, otherwise I've been Matthew Whitby uh, you can find me at Whitby writes. Um, and to round things off uh, Benjamin my final question then is how do you end a podcast um, probably with some kind of musical outro. Wow! I will, you know, I'll find, I'll find some free music, Um <laughs> uh, as it fades in, now we'll just, um, yeah, yeah. find something JRPGE. Okay. <laughs> and and with that, there'll be a fade as as the J- <laughs> yeah. as, as the JRPG music just like like we get quieter and quieter as the day. J-